You're listening to the FUVFC Podcast on WFUVSports.org. Welcome into FUVFC, first FUVFC of the new season. I'm Christian Hoban. I'm here with Luke Fiore. We're talking soccer in the Bronx. Hello, Glad Christian. to be back with you. How you doing, Luke? I am very glad to be back. Well... Let's get into it, because we got a lot to talk about as we were uh, arguing fervently about a number of things before the yes. show started. Um, so we do want to talk about, we are four weeks into the Premier League season. I like that we're doing our first show four weeks into the Premier League season, because if you do a preview show, everybody does a preview show before the season starts. You all sound like idiots, because nobody's right about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so do, doing it four weeks, we're at the first international break. We've had a, about 10 days or so, uh, close to actually close to two weeks since the last Premier League game was played. So we've had a little time to digest, to sit with the results. Um, very interesting the way the table is shaped up uh, through the first four weeks. I know it's only four weeks. we got 34 more weeks, to, uh, game weeks to go in the Premier League. But as it sits, Liverpool, Chelsea, Watford, Manchester City, Tottenham, Bournemouth are your top six. Um, Arsenal and Manchester United, who are um, the other traditional members of the top six, are sitting in ninth and tenth, both with two wins uh, and two losses. We are going to get into those teams heavily. But um, first of all, the four members of the traditional top six who are currently in the top six, um, what good things have you seen from Liverpool, Chelsea, City, and Spurs in the first four weeks? Um, I, I've seen a lot. I think Liverpool, uh, I'm obviously glad they're at the top spot right now, but I think they haven't been at the best. Um, they haven't played too tough a schedule so far. Um, they looked great in the first game against West Ham, but then again, it is West Ham. Um, and they've really scored, I think, only four goals since over a combined three games against Leicester, Crystal Palace, and um, Brighton. Brighton, Yeah, so three teams that they should have probably scored more on. Solid looks off. He's missed some chances that he should have been burying easily last year. Yeah, yeah, and, and part of that goes to um, what the problem has been that people are speculating with uh, Harry Kane the first few weeks of the season is that he's just overworked. He played so many games last season between the Premier League, all the Cups, the Champions League, and then he, he didn't have a summer to rest because he was playing in the World Cup. That's the same problem a lot of uh, high-level players are seeing. Uh, Harry Kane hasn't looked himself the first four weeks. I know he scored a few goals, um, but... It, that, that, that's a real problem is fatigue, and it might be something you're seeing with Mo Salah. And I, it's why I think the best player for Liverpool this season is going to be Sadio Mane. Yeah, actually, uh, interesting enough, my brother actually he, said he, that before yeah, the he season. Yeah, he had a summer off. Um, Nobody else did. Yeah, um, and another point to bring up is that Salah had never played a full season right. up until last year. He had, whether it was um, government problems in Egypt or injuries uh, throughout his earlier career, he'd never played a full and, season. And, and, and Roma never played, when he was at Roma, never mm-hmm. played. he never played as many matches in the season because they never made it as deep in the Champions League. I mean, I know Roma made it deep this year, but that was without Salah. Yeah. Um, they never made it that deep with, with him. Um, they, they don't. I think he just hasn't played this many games before. I, I think Klopp uh, did a, as good a job he could uh, last year with Salah managing him, yeah. taking him out maybe like the 78th minute or so just to give him those extra 10 minutes off when, I mean, as a fan, you'd like to see him out there. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to see some fatigue um, in Salah who, again, went to make a ba- quick baseball comparison. When the 2015 Mets, all those young pitchers were pitching in the postseason, you definitely noticed it the next season um, when all of them had gone past their innings limits. Exactly, exactly. And, so. and, and speaking of the other um, top six teams, I, I, I would say that the team that has most impressed me 
um, in the first four weeks. I hate to say it; it's really bothering me to say it, but I'm I'm going to say it's Manchester City, even though they got that they had that draw on the road against Wolves. Wolves are are playing fantastic um, so far. I love their manager. I love the team they've set up. Um, going on the road to the Emirates in Unai Emery's first match. Unai Emery, a huge manager, brought in for Arsenal. They've done a lot over the uh, summer. Um, Unai Emery's looking to make a statement first home match, first match of the season, first match with Arsenal. And Chelsea come in there after having struggled a bit last season, missing the Champions League. They come in and they beat Arsenal on the road 2-0, very commanding. I, I, I just jumped to Chelsea, didn't I? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's all right. It's Friday, good. folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. My, my one o'clock professor is the most boring man who ever lived. Okay. Uh, could, Manchester City did that. I can hop on that, man. Manchester City, City did that in the first match of the season, not Chelsea. Um, th- but they can't, they come in, they they just dominate Unai Emery, 2-0, easy win. Yeah. They looked like Manchester City last year. Um, man City's just been great. The, the depth on that team is absurd. It's it's outrageous. I'm, they come and... They bring they, in they Riyad bring in Mahrez. Mahrez, who I'm a huge fan of. I think he's incredible. But right now... At the right side of the midfield and the wing position, they also have Bernardo Silva. They also have Raheem Sterling. They yeah, it's have, insane. And then they have Sane. All and three S- of those Sane's, guys. Sane, I think, is going to have a great season this year because he's, he's upset he missed the German World Cup team. I don't, and Sane's been pretty bad so far. There's, I, there's been I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Sane fan, but he's been bad so far. Um, there's been a lot of maybe tension between him and the German players, him and even some of the Gundogan. Man City players. There's been... Um, a little bit of tension that's been publicized, but um, for his sake, I hope he gets it together. For Liverpool's sake, I really hope he stays in this kind of funk that he's in. But still, like Man City could literally just play a top two with Jesus and Aguero and then put the midfielders. I mean, they have so many. It's just absurd. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really absurd. Um, yeah, they they start Sterling and Silva, bring on Mares and Jesus, and it's... It, yeah, it's just ridiculous, <laughs> and, and and to have that kind of depth is so, is so crucial, not just from week to week, mm-hmm. but it's inside of a game. So, so, talking about another top six team, we jumped to Tottenham for a little bit here. Um, Lucas Mora was the yeah. uh, Premier League Player of the Month for the month of August. Three goals in four games, uh, fantastic uh, game against Manchester United at Old Trafford, scoring two goals and a dominating win for Spurs. Um, Having a player like Lucas Moura who just has ridiculous pace and skill that you can play for an hour mm-hmm. or somebody like Sterling that you can play for an hour and then you can pull them and bring on somebody behind them who's got just as much pace to run at the defense to bring off Lucas Moura and bring on Sun Hyung Min for Spurs. Like that like could you imagine chasing Lucas Moura for an hour being dead tired? You see him coming off, you're so excited yeah. that he's leaving, and then you look who's coming on and it's Sun Hyung Min and you just are so defeated and it's the same way with Manchester City you you look oh yes Ryan Sterling's finally coming off who's coming on oh it's Mares Mares and (laughs) honestly I think Mares might he could be as good as Sterling um He's he's a different player he's he's a very different kind of player but But he's more he's more of a creative player yeah the one thing I would like to say uh is I love Liverpool's acquisitions this season I think Naby Keita um, it kind of brings in that same thing. He he's just so good at creating from box to box. Yeah, he's he he's Conte light. Yeah, yeah. I 
I, He's a poor man's N'Golo Conte. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm not there to compare him to Conte yet, but he has... It's reminiscent of a younger Conte before Conte has become as established as he is now. But then, again, um, when Oxlade-Chamberlain comes back from injury, which, which is, is going to be a long time, yeah, right? Isn't he, probably, isn't he this whole season? It's He can come back maybe end of April, but... but. It's basically unlikely. essentially the whole season. But still, having Oxley Chamberlain on the right side, um, plus Salah, plus Shakiri, who they brought in, it's. I, I, I don't Shik- know. Shakiri? Yeah. Really? That's that's who you're hanging your hat on here? Jared and Shakiri? I think Shakiri is a wonderful sub. I, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter on Liverpool, but. With, especially with Salah on the right-hand side, but he's a, definitely a guy Sha- that Shakiri's Shakiri's one of these guys who scores three highlight real goals a year, and then you're like, wow, he must have had a fantastic year. I've seen these highlight real goals. And then you look at his season, and he scored three goals on the entire season. Keep in mind, he was playing for Stoke City. Yeah, there's a reason team. he was playing for Stoke City. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll give you that. I, I'm not... I'm not in love with Shakiri, but I think he's a wonderful piece to bring in, uh, especially late in games, if you need someone... Of Shakiri's skill set, I, th- I think I think the most important player for Liverpool this year is not going to be any member of their um, front three. Um, even we we all know how fantastic their front three are. Their in, their midfield has improved uh, drastically with the addition of Naby Keita, and we know their back line has improved. We know Van Dijk is a fantastic player at the at the back for them. I think the key the key player for Liverpool this season is Trent Alexander Arnold. He's nineteen. He showed flashes last year of being a great right back, but there's one thing that every team in the Premier League, every top team in the Premier League has, and it's somebody who runs down that left side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Chelsea, was... Chelsea have Hazard, uh, City have Sané, uh, Son. Spurs have Son Heung-min. Everybody's got somebody that sprints down that left side and is a fantastic creative player. So if Trent Alexander-Arnold can hold up for a full 38-week season and play at the level we know he's been capable of last year as a 19-year-old, I think that's going to be the key for Liverpool to maintain a title challenge. I completely agree. As soon as you said the key player for Liverpool, even before you said it, I knew it was going to be Alexander-Arnold. He I mean, he, he went up against Ronaldo last year in the Champions League final, and Ronaldo did absolutely nothing. If it weren't for Bale and Sergio Ramos and injuring Loris, Salah... And Loris Karius. And Karius, who got a concussion on um, an elbow by Sergio Ramos, which I'm still not over... But if it Clearly. went for Sergio Ramos and Bale, uh, Ronaldo was completely ineffective in that game. And I think Alexander-Arnold's going to get better, especially because last year he was kind of thrown into that role with the injury of Nathaniel Klein. Now he's got a full year under his belt. He's growing a little bit. You know, He's just maturing into a, a better player. And I think he is going to have a great future, even in the near future, for this year for Liverpool. The other thing I'm concerned about with Liverpool's back line is if we see... 25 or 30 plus starts for Joe Gomez in the back line. I know he's performed well the first four weeks, but there's a, but he's not, he's not top six starter material. He's he's certainly fine as a depth player. He can play well in the cups and he can play well when you need him to spot start. But I don't know that over a 38 week season you want him starting more than 15 games for Liverpool. One of my big criticisms for Liverpool's um, offseason was that they didn't bring in another center back and they shipped off Ragnar Klavan. So they're well, down. Not like he was getting anything, but. Yeah, but I mean, he's o- it's always nice to have some depth at center back. Um, so they're down to only four Van Dyke, Gomez, Matip, and Lovren. And honestly, um, I'd like to see Gomez in more than Matip at this point. And 
with Lovren being injured, Gomez has really shined. And um, last year when he was filling in at right back between him and Alexander Arnold earlier in the season, he looked he looks like a really good player, and he just got called up to the England national team. So I think Gomez is a player on the rise. He could be maybe this year's Trent Alexander-Arnold for Liverpool as a surprise in the defense. But I don't know. He could really compete with Lovren for some playing time. That being said, I would still like them to go out and get another um, starting caliber center back at the uh, January transfer deadline. But uh, if we end up with Gomez and Lovren fighting it out for that spot for the year, I'm not too worried um too being an important word i'm still a little worried all right so so we, t- we talked about arsenal who have a new manager this year but we should also talk about the other top six team featuring a new manager which is chelsea mm-hmm. um missed out on the champions league last year big disappointment um antonio conte leaves and they are four wins in four games for chelsea and impressive wins i know i stumbled on this earlier but chelsea also did beat arsenal which is why I stumbled on this earlier. Chelsea beat Arsenal. This one was at home. They beat them 3-2. Um, beat Bournemouth 2-0. And they beat Newcastle on the road. And they beat Huddersfield on the road to open the season. So uh, three not-so-great opponents. And then Arsenal, who are a traditional top-six powerhouse, they take care of business against Arsenal. They've looked good. Um, four, four wins and four uh, matches. The only team in the Premier League in the first four games that scored more than Chelsea is Manchester City, who ran up the score and scored six goals against Huddersfield, I think, at home. Um, So an impressive, consistent performance in terms of scoring goals for Chelsea in the first four weeks. Is it something that you think that they're going to maintain for the rest of the season? Um, I don't know. I don't think they're going to win all these games, but I think Chelsea will be a very good team this year. Definitely top five. You think they're back in the Champions League? I think so. Um, Well, I Top five, yes. Champions League, probably, because I think Chelsea have the best shot at winning Europa League. Um, Their only other serious opponents, I think, would be Arsenal and AC Milan. Or or anybody who gets knocked out of the Champions League. There are a couple couple tough groups in the Champions League who could see a really tough third-place opponent going into the Europa League. You could see Inter, you could see Liverpool, there's a few of them. That's true, Um, but I really like, um, like Chelsea, what they did with the team I I don't like how they didn't bring in another striker. I think they yeah, really should have. I, I don't I don't think you can re- I don't think you can rely on Giroud and Morata for yeah. a season. Um, but I like what they did in the midfield. They brought in Kovacic. They brought in Jorginho. Um, their their defense is great. They're yeah, playing th- David think, Luiz again, which is always good. I think I think Kovacic might uh, end up low low key being the steal of the transfer window. Yeah. getting him at the last minute. I know it's a loan deal, but getting him at the last minute might might turn out to be huge. Um, for Chelsea uh, as we go through the course of the season because he's so good. And in addition to that, they gave up Bakayoko, who I know didn't perform extremely well last year, but, I mean, he would have been a nice guy to come have coming off the bench. Yeah, he, he would have been nice to have coming off the bench, but get, but bringing in Jorginho uh, and Kovacic gives you, yeah. k- kind of makes up for it a little bit. Like, yeah, you lose ba- Bakayoko, but you bring in two players who are probably better than Bakayoko. Yeah, yeah. I meant... The reason why Kovacic would be even better is because Bakayoko, I mean... They, and, yeah, and you almost forget that they also brought in Ross Barkley because he was hurt for so much of last season. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I did. Um, but the one thing that really boggles my mind is the ridiculous play, price they played, paid for Kepa Arizabalaga. I well, mean, they were desperate. I mean, they had to. I, I don't know. I think they could have maybe gone for someone like 
Schmeichel, Jack Butlin, those were some of the names they were throwing around. I, I know, but if if you've got the money, you know, Courtois gone, you're looking for a keeper of of that quality. I mean, you could have thrown money around and gotten Butland or Pickford or somebody f- f- domestic from the Premier League. Um, but if you've got that kind of money that you got for Courtois and you, you've got the kind of money that Chelsea has, you might as well throw it around. I mean, I, the, the, th- the thing that, I, that I've never understood in, in soccer fandom um, is, is complaining about transfer fees. It's not your money. Like, like people still complain about how much money Spurs paid for Musa Sissoko to do nothing. Mm. I don't care. It's not my money. I don't own Spurs. Like, I didn't spend 30 million pounds on Musa Sissoko. What do I care? that They have him. That's all that matters is the that is, they have him. Better allocation of resources. Economics is about scarcity. I, and, I'm an economics major, Luke. You're yeah. not going to pull this past me. I, I don't, as I don't am care. I, as am I. All these teams have more money than they're spending anyway. I know. It's, it's, not, like, it's not like we're eating into their profit margins. These are billion-dollar clubs. But... To pay a record fee for as Arizabalaga, who I do not think is better than Allison, I don't even think he's one of the top well, five keepers in the Premier League. Well, well, the thing is, Allison drove the price up because he came in first. Mm. If if Kepa had come to Chelsea before Allison, Allison would have ended up being more expensive than Kepa. That's just how it works. The thing is that they're in the later same in the transfer window. Chelsea was desperate for a keeper. Liverpool had already set a record fee for Allison. Chelsea were going to have to beat it for Kepa if they wanted him. I I still don't I don't know I'm I'm not a fan of the move um, and I th- I think he is a top five keeper in the Premier League. Ah uh, I don't know I would say De Gea, Alisson, Pickford those are the only guys that I can I'd say Loris. I I would not say Loris. I think I'm a very big Loris fan. I think he's let's let's jump onto that for a minute because yeah. that's a good transition. That is um, Hugo Loris. A few weeks ago, he is injured. Um, that that's a problem for Spurs. He'll be out for about a month, I think. Uh, missing this big match with Liverpool tomorrow, mm-hmm. as of our recording, might miss the first couple of group stage matches in the Champions League. Big problem for Spurs. But we're not talking about that now. What we are talking about was a couple weeks ago, Hugo Loris was arrested for drunk driving, um, or as all the British articles I'm reading on it call it drink driving. Yes. Which, what is that? Um, Britain, come on. <laughs> All right. So he was arrested for drunk driving. His blood alcohol level was twice the legal limit. He was mm-hmm. he was swerving all over the road, a very dangerous situation. Um, full disclosure, I am a big fan of Tottenham Hotspur, um, so I do have some strong opinions of this. He, is, he was backed by the team. He was backed by Pochettino. He started... A few days after he was arrested at Old Trafford with the captain's armband on. So a big show of support from Pochettino and the team. I am of the mindset that after the details about the arrest came out, that he was driving twice the legal limit, all this stuff, I am of the opinion that they should strip him of the captaincy. Here, here's, here's, my, here's my reasoning. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be here long anyway. He's, he's probably got another, at, at most another two years at Spurs before he goes and plays out his, his golden years back at home in France. He, he's not what he once was in terms of a keeper. His, his biggest asset as a keeper is how he organizes a back line. He's great at organizing a back line, but, that, but that's his biggest asset. He's a, he's a fine shot stopper, but he's got poor distribution as a keeper. His biggest asset is organizing that back line. He is a leader of Spurs, and he should continue to be a leader of Spurs, but Spurs need to set an example. And it's not like, it's not like, it's not like Spurs don't know who the captain could possibly be if it weren't Lloris. They've got Harry Kane, who's England's captain. They've got Jan Vertonghen, who would have been Belgium's captain if Eden Hazard weren't a whiny baby and demanded it. <laughs> I mean, they've got ready-made captains sitting and waiting who are leaders of their teams, who are leaders of their club teams, or country teams. Lloris needs to be set an example of, because the last 
Premier League player that I can remember who was arrested for drunk driving didn't stop Lloris from doing it. Marcus Alonso was arrested for killing somebody while drunk driving, and he's still playing in the Premier League. That's ridiculous. Mm. Hugo Lloris, you need to set examples for these guys. I get he was celebrating the World Cup win. I get he won the World Cup. He was the captain of France who won the World Cup. He was celebrating. He was out at a restaurant. The story goes he was out at a restaurant with uh, Giroud and Kashiani, um, and the owner was French and just kept giving them wine and more and more and more and more wine, and the Larissa's cab canceled, and he decided to drive home. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, That's stupid. I I agree that it, I mean, drunk driving is never a good thing. Um, it could kill, he could have killed somebody, like yeah. Alonzo did. I, you're right that there are a lot of other guys on Tottenham who could be captain. I was thinking Christian Eriksen. Um, hey, also, also his... Uh, national team captain yeah um i'm, a, I'm an erickson fan but it, it but by, by the way as as somebody who follows spurs very closely it would not be it would it would almost certainly be harry kane yeah that that was what i was fearing that's why i was saying um listen i have i have very strong opinions about harry kane first of all if you're going to take away a goal from your teammate i don't think that signals that you should be the captain when it was erickson's goal last year and i think that's detrimental to the team now what Loris did is obviously wrong. So, so you, so you think that claiming a goal that hit you in the shoulder when you're in a golden boot race is just as bad as drunk driving? No, no, no. That I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that Harry Kane should not become the captain. If they're going to take the captaincy away from Lloris, I would much rather have it go to Vertonghen or Christian Eriksen, pretty much anyone on the team other than Harry Kane. But or maybe Deli Ali. Um, but you would give it to Deli Ali. No, no, I mean other than Harry Kane or maybe <laughs> Deli Ali. I would not give it to Deli Ali. Um, but the thing is, while what what Lloris did was wrong and illegal, um, he's still a leader on the team. Yes, I understand you need to set an example. Maybe a suspension um, would be appropriate, especially now that he's injured, so the suspension might not even have any effect. But really... What he does off the field, I don't know. I I don't think that they necessarily should take it away from him. You make some really good points. Drunk driving is wrong. They should set an example. But I'm not sure that taking the captaincy away from him for something that is off the field um, and hasn't actually harmed someone. If he killed somebody while drunk driving, I think that would be a little bit different. Um, But... I think that might be too harsh a precedent to set. All right, so there's there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I, I do th- I do think it's fair. I mean, I think ultimately it seems that with the reports that have come out, and he hasn't been stripped yet. I think it's it's fairly likely at this point that he keeps it. Um, that Pochettino is is very supportive of his players. He's very you know he's he's very much a player's coach. So I think it's very likely that Lloris keeps it. But it brings up some other points, namely your disdain for Harry Kane. We were mm-hmm. arguing about this before the show. I, as a Spurs fan and anybody who has ever watched football, believe that Harry Kane is good. <laughs> um, Luke does not. I don't think he's bad. I think he is probably the best finisher in the world. But I don't think that Harry Kane has the ability to create plays, which is perfectly fine if that's the player that you want. But... Christian before was the show was saying that Harry Kane is the best striker in the world. Facts. I refute that by saying that not only is he not as good as Cristiano Ronaldo, I don't think he's as good as Sergio Aguero. Along with maybe some others that I haven't thought about yet, but I, at least those two are better than Harry Kane. So, 
I mean, I think Harry Kane is what I like to call a poacher. He kind of just stands in front of the He's, goal. That that could not be further from the truth. He drops back all the time. He's a great distributor. He adds a, he adds a piece to his game every year. So when he first came up, when he was first a, a Premier League striker, he that absolutely right. He was just a poacher, and he was fantastic at it. But every year in the summer, he seems to add a bit to his game. For his the first full summer before, uh, before his second season, he added a, a great passing game and a great hold up game. He's now added a long passing game. He is as accurate on long passes as Christian Eriksen is. Like statistically, his his long right. passes are as accurate as Christian Eriksen. I'm just saying, uh, he's I don't know. I just something. It's just I don't know. It might be the fact that he's very he's not quick like a Ronaldo or an Aguero. But but he 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 does have deceptive pace when he gets moving. That yeah that is true. But um, I don't know. I he, just he also he also can create for himself. I mean I mean you watched the, the last November the last time um, Spurs and Liverpool played each other at Wembley. He made De- he made Dejan Lovren look like a peewee soccer player because he just he just he was creating for himself in space. All right. Despite what Dejan Lovren may say, he is not the best center back in the world. I will throw that out there as a Liverpool fan. Uh, he's not even the best center back on Liverpool. But I still don't think Harry Kane is as creative in front of goal. I think when the ball lands in front of him, he, it's as good as a goal for him. But when he has, when he's forced to create his own plays, not necessarily when he's already in the box and he's just dribbling around defenders, yeah, he could do that. But when he has to move upfield with the ball, really, his passing, you, you have some nice stats there. But I... I just don't think that Harry Kane is on the same level as Sergio Aguero or Cristiano Ronaldo. By the way, Harry Kane has scored more goals per game in his entire league career than uh, Sergio Aguero has, but that's that's neither here nor there. I mean, Aguero, okay, you look at last season. Man City dominated the uh, golden boot table. Like, you had Aguero up there, you had St- uh, okay, Sterling so, so, Sane. So, la- so, last, so you want to do last season uh, when Sergio Aguero scored... Uh, Aguero was 20, also injured. For... ...scored 21 goals to Harry Kane's 30? I mean, uh, Aguero... Or, or what about the season before that when Aguero scored 20 goals to Harry Kane's 29? I'm not saying that Aguero... Or what about the season before that when Aguero scored 24 goals to Harry Kane's uh, 25? Harry Kane So is, Harry, Harry Kane has, has outscored Sergio Aguero for each of the last three seasons. I think you're proving my point that Harry Kane is a great finisher, but he may not be the best striker. I don't think that finishing is everything that a striker has to do. I think Roberto Firmino, while he's not as good as Kane, I will admit is a wonderful striker because he's really great at passing and creating plays for not only himself but for Salah and Mane. And right. I think that Right. For me Firmino, great hold up play. You know, he's a great passer. He's you know, he's a rich man's Vincent Jansen. I'll give him that. You know <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it, who Richard Vincent is. It, it, uh, Vincent Jansen he he was he was Spurs backup striker for a year. Um and he, I think he scored two goals in open play um, because he spent so much time holding the ball up and passing. You're a striker, score. That's what you're supposed to do. Everybody else passes. I mean, you, he does. Why does Harry Kane need to create when he has Christian Eriksen, Dele Alli, Son Youngman, and Lucas Moura and I'm Eric Lamella creating he, for him? Why does he need to? I'm not he saying he doesn't create because he, he doesn't to have create. to. If he had to, he would. I'm not sure that that's true. I would like to see him in a position where he has to create for himself. Why? I mean, he, he has Christian Eriksen. Yeah, he I'm, has the most creative player in, in the Premier League me. outside of Kevin De Bruyne. I'm just saying when you're comparing him to the best striker in the world, yeah, he, I feel like he's missing parts of his game. While he is a great finisher and he doesn't need to create for himself when he has Eriksen, he has Son, he has uh, Deli Ali, guys who are creating for him. Um, 
he doesn't need to, but I just think that he's missing that part of the game, and he cannot therefore be called the greatest striker in the world currently, especially when he's up against Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, Ronaldo is now fully a striker, so I don't really understand how this is even an argument right now. Because Cristiano's a, Cristiano Ronaldo is a left winger who's playing striker. Yeah, but he's still playing striker right now. But but he he doesn't have his completed striking game because he's a left winger. Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. We'll move on to uh, Liverpool versus well, Tottenham. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that for a second. And then um, the last thing I want to do is do a little bit of uh, season preview now that we've got four um, matches under the belt. Um, so we do have, um, as of this recording, which is uh, Friday afternoon, September 14th, tomorrow morning, 7.30 a.m., uh, Wembley Stadium, Spurs-Liverpool. I'm excited. I, I, I'm not wearing a Spurs kit. Um, Luke Fiore is. He's wearing his Liverpool kit. And uh, my, my, <laughs> my knockoff Daily Alley um, from China has, has not arrived yet, and my Harry Kane has shrunk in the wash. It's too small for me now. Um, so if my Daily Alley jersey were here, I'd be wearing it. Um, so we'll, let's, let's do a quick preview of the match. Um, tell me why you think Liverpool are going to win, then I'll tell you why you're wrong. Um, okay. Well, I think that considering that Lloris is injured, Dele Alli is injured, and I think Son is questionable for the game. Yes, yeah, Son's just coming back from international duty. He's not injured. He's just what, he'll, yeah. he'll probably he'll probably come on as a sub. So I think that right there, and Liverpool being fully healthy, um, Firmino, Fabinho, and um, Allison were all rested against in their last um, international game. I think that will be extremely significant. I think Lloris is that is going to hurt the team his uh, absence significantly. I think Allison is too good a keeper to let up two goals. So I I believe the score will be 2-1 Liverpool because I think Liverpool can score the goals and Allison will um he'll be tested by Tottenham. Um it'll be his first real test. He had some nice saves in his uh last game, but I think 2-1 Liverpool. I'm pretty confident. All right. So Let's get into it. No Deli Alley, no Hugo Lloris for Spurs. Um, but Spurs are completely healthy at the back line. They've got Alderweireld back. Completely healthy fullbacks. Um, no, I'm not sure exactly how Pochettino plans to line up, but he'll probably line up with, with Trippier and Davis as he has been. Mm-hmm. Um, Spurs are so solid at the back four, I could play goalie. Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld, when they're playing next to each other, as they have really been good. since they were youth players for Belgium and Ajax, really, really good, are probably the best center back pairing center back pairing in the Premier League in the easily. Premier League easily, and yeah. probably the best center back pairing the Premier League seen in a long time. I they agree. know each other so well, and they create so well from the back. They're both great distributors. They both make great runs forward. So I'm not concerned. I'd I'd, I'd rather Hugo Lloris be playing, obviously, than Michel Vorm or Gazaniga. I don't know who they're going to start, um, but. Obviously, I'd rather Lloris be playing, but that's that that's not enough for me to say that swings the game. Deli Alley has been up and down this season. He he always steps up in big games. He he has a he has a knack for doing that. A couple seasons ago, when Chelsea were on that unbelievable win streak, that record win streak, what is it, thirteen matches in a row? They Something. came they they came to White Hart Lane. Spurs won two 0 Both goals, Deli Alley. He has a he has a knack for stepping up in big games. I'll give him that, but. The heart and soul of Spurs is their creativity. And the two most creative players on Spurs are both healthy and playing next week in Christian Eriksen and Moussa Dembele. So I'm not concerned 
about a lack of Deli Alley. Yes, he's a great player. Yes, I'd love to have him. But again, a lack of Deli Alley doesn't flip the game for me. Uh, Deli Alley not being in there doesn't make me say, oh, Liverpool can overrun Spurs midfield now. Because that's not, Deli Alley's not a possession guy. He doesn't maintain possession. He's creative. He makes runs in behind. But I think with Lucas Moura in the starting lineup, who's got that pace, who can get in behind the defense, who's been fantastic the, four, the first four weeks of the season, Premier League player of the month for the month of August. I think he covers that up a little bit. I think if you have Sun for the last half hour, that covers it up a little bit. And Eric Lamella is probably who's gonna, is who's going to step in the starting lineup for uh, Spurs. I know you don't like Eric Lamella because he drew that penalty at Anfield last season. Exactly what I was um, thinking. <laughs> but Eric Lamella, while he isn't a, a very prolific goal scorer, what he is great at doing for Pochettino, which makes him great in Spurs' system, he's a fantastic presser. He's got so much energy, he keeps the ball forward, which is something that Deli Alley, quite frankly, doesn't do as much. So I think it, it gives Spurs a little bit of a different shape and a little bit of a different dynamic when Lamella's in for Deli Alley. I think Lucas provides those runs behind the back four. I think I think Trent Alexander Arnold is gonna have his hands full in the last half hour with Sun Young Min. And I think I think it's gonna be three one Spurs. I think mm-hmm. I think I think I think just just to shut up Luke Fiore, we're gonna see uh, a hat trick for Harry Kane. Oh God! Um, very, very easy. Probably very all on penalty kicks. Very easy. Very casual hat trick from Harry Kane. None of the none of the goals are going to be from inside the box. Um, very casual. Uh, you might you might see a Christian Eriksen goal. He played very well at the international break. He scored. I think he scored 18 goals in his last 18 games for Denmark. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's my prediction. Liverpool three one. Um, and very quickly, this is our first episode of the Premier League season. Um, we do have to wrap it up uh, in a minute here. Um, but I do want to hear, after four weeks, what you've seen from the top six, what you've seen from everybody in the Premier League, I want to hear right now your top four for the end of the season, then I'll give you mine. I'm going to say Liverpool 1, Man City 2, Tottenham 3, and probably Chelsea 4. Um, I like that. Uh, I think Man U and Arsenal have a tough schedule. I think Watford's going to be very good this year, but not top six, maybe number seven or so. All right, so I'll give you... Uh, my top four as well. I think number one, City walked the league again. I don't think Liverpool or anybody has the firepower to keep up with City. City walked the league, no problem. They win by ten points easy. Um, number two, I have Chelsea. Number three, I have uh, Spurs. Number four, I have Liverpool, just despite uh, Luke Fiore a little bit. But I think that's your top four. I think the four of those teams comfortably comfortably make uh, the Champions League. I don't think United or Arsenal challenge. Uh, for that Champions League spot. Mourinho, third-year syndrome. I know if Jackson Heil were here, he'd be yelling about it. Um, thanks. Zidane. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see about Zidane later yeah. on. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks, here at FEVFC, our first uh, show of the season. Uh, for Luke Fury, I'm Christian Hoban. Thanks for listening.